while Scotty's away and the inmates are at play. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 83, for the week of Wednesday, 18th of September, 2013. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... John. And Jeremy. This episode is brought to you by ShelfLife.net and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toy of the Week is the Avalon Superman Colour and Recolour Mug Set, and our discussion topic is Dioramas with Frank D'Orio. Welcome, gentlemen. How are we this evening? Awesome. Doing well, thank you, this morning. Excellent. Well, it's with uh, a great pleasure that we welcome back Jeremy. We haven't seen you in a long time. How you been? Oh, doing well, thank you. We had some time off lately, so I've been customizing like no tomorrow. <laughs> nicely held back there, nicely held back. Uh, so, uh, John, what have you been up to? Well, not much. Um, you know, earlier this week it was about 100 degrees here, which is, I don't know, what, 40 years, 42, maybe? Yeah, uh, yeah 42 is about 100 and 108, 109 or something. So around that, you know, 40 to 42 range. Mm. And today it's like 11 this morning. But uh, the other day I was driving home and uh, I hear this pop and my arm was wet and uh, I wasn't sure what was going on, so I was afraid to look over there. At first, I thought the uh, passenger side airbag had went off. It wasn't that. So I was like, okay, what is it? And then for some reason, my head's like, oh, your cell phone battery exploded. Really? And I don't know why I thought of that. I looked over my, my cell phone. My cell phone's fine. Okay. And I'm like, what in the world? And I looked down, and I had, I had a can of soda that I had taken to work the day before, and oh. it rolled off the seat. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to touch it because it's, you know, been rolling around. <laughs> it had actually gotten so hot that it popped it. It popped the the can open at, you know, where you normally open it. Yeah. And the tab, the, the tab where it opens was standing straight up. <laughs> wow. And it blew the little opening tab off of it, and I haven't found it yet. And then you had to clean <laughs> up. That's what's well. in your arm, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might have been. Um no, actually, it was almost straight up, and it was very, very little mess. Jeez. It was kind of cool. But, yeah, it scared scared the crap out of me. I thought somebody was shooting at me. So and that was had, my excitement for the week. You had 375 mils of soda to clean up. Yeah, pretty much. Outstanding. How's the weather been out where you are, Jeremy? Oh, incredibly. Off-seasonally hot. Uh, we, we hit our fourth, or no, tenth round of 90-degree temperatures, you know, not much compared to John's 100, but it's pretty warm for up here. And uh, and then in the afternoons, it just poured the last three days. Be nice in the morning and just dumped. Wrath of God type weather. <laughs> so you guys are going into fall or autumn for the rest of yes. us? Yeah. 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 Jeez, well, we it's spring here in Australia, and we just have had sensational weather. Absolutely perfect kind of weather and, and you know that springs here because um 
you know, there's there's kids outside playing and, you know, kicking footballs around and that sort of thing. The start of bikini season is always welcome. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think I'm uh, I just don't think I'm in bikini shape anymore, so anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, maybe we should get started with some articulated news. Well that would be news. Indy, over here. Indiana Jones at your service, Toad. Ah! <laughs> Indiana Jones and other action figures, new from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, each sold separately. Watch him, Kaibo, swordsman. Yeah, watch my swing. Yikes! All downhill from here, swordsman. You'll be sorry, Jones. Tricky again, Toad. Indiana Jones, Toad, and Cairo swordsman action figures, each sold separately from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, new from Kenner. Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. We're not a comprehensive toy news service. These are just the stories that relate to the things we're interested in and have caught our eye this week. And, John, you're kicking things off. Hey! Um, some Star Wars news, and, and I kind of like these. Um, the Poth Rebel Soldier, the Jumbo one from General Giant has been announced, or I guess it's been announced, but it looks like it's available for order. Um, it's $85, and if you're familiar with these, these are where they take the vintage figures, they scale them up to about, you know, 12-inch size, or I think it's about 12-inch. I'm not 100, yeah, it looks like 12-inch. Um, like 12, yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't seen any of these in person until uh, I went to CoilCon this year, and they had a whole bunch of them together. And I have to say, when they're all together, pretty impressive. Um, because they're carded, aren't they? They come on the, the replica card as well. Yeah, but they're they're not um, – the cards aren't quite scaled. <laughs> I suppose they'd be three feet tall. Yeah, so – but they are – pretty cool um i mean they definitely carry over that vintage look and they they do they look like you know giant vintage star wars figures i, I was really impressed with them seeing them in person um and, and this figure is one of those that i think everybody remembers mm. you know that, that was kind of around when the first empire strikes back figures came out because everybody i remember when he came out everybody was like oh that's luke and it wasn't luke mm. you know mm. because we'd seen pictures of luke in that gear so I think he was the first vintage figure I actually had multiples of. Like there, there was that sort of moment where I realised that you could actually have more than one of some figures, and, and he was the one. And I think by the time I, I finished collecting at, at about sort of age twelve, I, I sort of lost interest in Star Wars figures. Um, I had about four of them, so that, that was oh, a lot that's, of fun. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think I had two of those, and then one of the um, Commander. Oh yes, with his weird sash that stopped his head turning. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd had a couple of stormtroopers. I had two Jawas. I had two sand people. I always had twos. It was always twos. <laughs> I never had any more than two when I was a kid. Are you tempted, you know, being a, a Star Wars collector, is this the sort of thing that there might be one specific character you'd, you'd add to your collection, or, or it's just not your thing? It's just not my... I mean, it, it, it's a neat oddity. Um, if I was going to get anyone, probably the figure for me is probably the best but Luke. That's probably my my favorite figure from the vintage line, yeah. um, and, and I just I couldn't quite do it. Although now that I've seen them in person, I have to say that they're they're pretty cool. They're a lot neater than what I expected. Yeah. What about you, Jeremy? This is just something that's it's you know it's fun to look at, but nothing you'd sort of think of picking. Yeah, up. pretty pretty much. I mean, I, I I do believe I had this guy as well. Um, I did not have much in the way of Star Wars when I was growing up. <laughs> I was more of a G.I. Joe collector, so don't go completely berserk. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I've seen I've actually seen some of these in the store, and you know, for a foot tall figure that has five points of articulation. That $85 price tag is a little much. They're not cheap, are they, really? I mean, no. For, for what they are, when, when you compare them against sort of some of NECA's 18-inch figures, um, you, you have to wonder how much of that $85 is licensing fees. For yeah. Star Wars, so probably about 65 of it. Mm-hmm. All right, John, speaking of scaled up, what else you got? Well, if, if 12 inches isn't tall enough... <laughs> You, you can now buy a vintage stormtrooper that has been scaled up to six feet. And I believe they had him out at San Diego this year um, because people said that they thought it was like just, you know, uh, a statue. But if I remember, he's actually even articulated. Um, so basically it's a, a six foot tall stormtrooper, but he looks like a vintage action figure. That's just, um, I just don't know where to go with this one. Uh, I, I mean, it, if you were a vintage collector and you had, you know, all of the vintage items and boxed and you really wanted a centerpiece for your collection, mm. you know, that would be, I, I think it'd be really cool. It's an or, interesting. Or, or your home theater room, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's an interesting concept because most people have life-size items, you know, in their collection and as centerpieces that replicate a life-size figure. So you have your life-size Darth Maul or your life-size Terminator skeleton and they look like they've stepped off the screen. But this is uh, this is a whole other something else and it's not cheap either. No, yeah, $2,300. For, for that price tag, can't you just go out and buy a set of Stormtrooper armor and a mannequin? Well, I don't know if you could get a full set of armor and a mannequin for that. I mean, if you look at... Um, Sideshows, what is it? Their war machines, almost seven grand. So if you look at it that way, that's a life size figure. And I think even the R2 and 3PO were up in the five, six grand range for the the life size figure. So, um, you know, if you want something with that life size punch, I think that may not be a bad price to get it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, going a little smaller. Um, Yeah, we're going to go a little smaller. And uh, we're seeing pictures of Hot Toys Tonto. From the, uh, well, I won't say failed, but the underwhelming performance uh, of the Lone <laughs> Ranger earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, you know, nice looking figure. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, it's it's Hot Toys, so it's expected. I I don't quite see, I mean, it could be just the, the way they sort of detail the face with the paint, etc. But it's not quite as sharp a Johnny Depp as their their Jack Sparrow. Like, I thought the Jack Sparrow sort of deluxe figure was was so good that, that it even looked like a photograph in, in when you look it up on the internet. And so this one didn't quite sell me, but it, I guess it could be just the, um, yeah, the detailing. But uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of the film. I mean, have you guys seen the movie? No. Okay, well, that's probably why it failed. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it either, so... I, this is, is probably old news, but you can't sell me on the Lone Ranger and have Tonto as the headliner. Mm, it's a bit like that. It's kind of the whole uh, Jack Nicholson Joker thing. Yeah. Mm, very good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's a good-looking figure. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, except for, you know, unless they put out the Lone Ranger exactly at the same time as him, do you, what are you going to do with him? Well, you'd have to be nervous that if they don't get enough orders for this figure that they might not do a Lone Ranger. You know, let's just hope that the Lone Ranger's far enough along in the in the process that it'll be out. But, I mean, this is a good-looking figure. It comes kitted out with plenty of extras. 
thought they released least the Lone Ranger. Had they? Not to my knowledge. I, I, I thought so. I, I looked it up once uh, in prep for the show. Hmm. Okay. Well, that one's obviously slipped by. Uh, nope. just, yeah, it looks. Yeah, it, 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 it was. It was there. as hot as the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, it would have been nice to see a promo image of the two of them together. So. Well, anyway, we can pick that up in uh, quarter one or quarter two in 2014. So you've got plenty of money to save up. So looks like yeah. they'll probably be in the, the 180, 200 dollar range. Sort of looking at the um, the accessories. Uh, very good. All right, Jeremy, you're going to throw us some news. All right. Uh, first off, we're going to start off with the fifth ever AFB Forum Custom Competition, also known as Characters Unbound. Yay! The, what we're looking at today, uh, or this time around, is for anything. <laughs> any, any scale, any character, anything at all. Just to celebrate the fact that there are a whole lot of customizers out there, and they've all suddenly come over to AFB. Uh, the due date for this is going to be December 30, December 1st, rather, uh, this year. And you need to pop on over to the site, probably sign up if you haven't already, and get three pictures, uh, front, back, and to the side, uh, out to Night Owl, who's, uh, heading up the competition. Indeed. Fantastic. Yeah, th- these I've, are... I've already got my entry finished <laughs> and ready to go. And there are going to be prizes for this, so... Indeed, we, yes. We just don't know what they are yet. No, that's right. Still in negotiations. Yeah, I mean, these are a lot of fun, and uh, I think people have been uh, very busy lately, and, and the customs haven't been sort of coming through as thick and fast as we, we normally see on the forums. And people generally, if they're going to put this much time into a, a custom figure, they want it to sort of fit into their collection. They want it to be something that they really want to do. And so, you know, this time around, the decision was made not to, to be too specific. We've had... Um, custom comps in in the past that um, revolve around Jack Kirby. We've had customs that feature characters that were created in the 70s. Um, But, you know, rather than uh, restrict it, we decided to let's just throw it open and you can do basically anything you want. So just um, get that custom done and and go over to the forum, check it out and and get that submission in. So, so, yeah, lots of fun and we usually see lots of good stuff. Wait, I got it. Uh I know what I'm doing. Uh Uh-oh. Scott? Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> that just boggles the mind. Tim Tams in a mint slice in hand. <laughs> and a Starbucks cup. And, and Ben, no, no no, fair taking a gleek and turning it into Fing Fang Foom. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've certainly put effort into the uh, custom comps in the past, and, uh, uh, and while I've done particularly well, I certainly won't be going through that much effort again, so... What? No, I'll, I'll, I'll scale it back this time. So. Expect it from you now. No, but it can be any scale. Well, that's right. Yes. All right, well, we shall uh, mention that again at the end of the show just to uh, make sure people uh, it sinks in for people. So so what else you got? Well, we've also, uh, we're starting to get some of the New York Comic Con exclusives trickling out. Uh, DC, you've got some DC items that you were going to mention, I believe, coming up. Uh, but the one... Just make sure everybody goes over to New York Comic Con to check the the whole list if you're interested. Uh, although some of them don't really seem like exclusives to me because I've seen them elsewhere. 
Uh, the one that uh, does seem to pique everybody's interest is the brand new shield badge and personal identification card for fifty dollars. Uh, this is a badge and wallet and complete with an ID card with your shield identification. So you can tell people you corral superheroes for a living. (laughs) (laughs) And show them the badge instead of just your t-shirt. That's right. I often wonder in in TV shows and movies where people flash the badge and and then the person that's, you know, being shown the badge is is all sort of submissive and like, oh, okay, you you look awfully official. But, you know, if someone flashed me an FBI badge, I wouldn't know what an FBI badge even looked like. So I still wouldn't exactly be convinced on their credentials. You'd be surprised how how what you can do if you just grab a clipboard, look official, and start walking. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, that's what I do at work every day. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that's um, it's actually a nice looking set. I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. Yeah, the the badges uh, the badges looks like to be um, well, it's obviously metal. Um, I'm not really sure if it's die cast or if it's a hand carved item, but it, it looks really nice. Mm. The the identification card, not so much. Yeah, it looks very generic. Yeah, it's. Um, oh, I just hope we get enough. Uh, we get enough sort of success with the show to actually make it worthwhile. I mean, it's nothing like spending your money on a hard earned exclusive that um, you know fades as fast as the you know the the, the pop culture that it's based on. Yeah, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. That's right. <laughs> yes. All right, Jeb, anything else to mention? Uh, not really. Uh, like I said, New York Comic Con is starting to release their their exclusives, some of which aren't terribly exclusive, it seems. <laughs> yes. And they do tend to sort of trickle in and slowly update, so it's probably just best to keep an eye on the actual New York Comic Con website sort of each and every day as more, more and more stuff is added, if there's anything you're interested in. So... All right, well, as for me, we've got a couple of things happening. Um, actually, speaking of New York Comic Con, there is a, uh, a pretty awesome uh, exclusive announced, and uh, it's one that I think I'm definitely going to have to go after. And, you know, we seem to be mentioning good old Funko and their pop vinyls every week as they slowly take over the entire world, but they've actually announced a an exclusive Stan Lee pop vinyl figure, and it's a pretty fun-looking figure. It's a Stan with, you know, the traditional... Uh, toupee and glasses and he's opening his jacket to reveal the new york comic con t-shirt uh this is apparently um the first of five uh from various conventions so probably going through you know emerald city and uh san diego etc so i don't know how much of it will actually change probably just uh, the t-shirt underneath that he's wearing um these are limited to just a thousand pieces and uh, you can get them from the conventionexclusive.com booth. That's uh, booth number 1274. Get him while supplies last. And as usual, these are already going up on eBay as uh, pre-purchases. And I-, I love Stan, so this is definitely something I'm going to keep an eye out for. Looking at the box, it does appear as though it is just going to be his shirt that changes. Mm-hmm. They show uh, the New York Comic Con logo on his t-shirt in on the figure but on the box it shows the stan lee t-shirt yeah yeah that's right so, yeah look I, i'll definitely try and track one of these down i don't want to pay too much for it so we'll just have to see and uh, you know i'll probably give in in the end so 
All right, but in other news, there's some DC DC collectibles solicitations for March 2014, and um, DC seem to be picking up their output of their their six inch action figures or, or six and three quarter inch action figures as the probably more inclined to be, and uh, as expected, um, the focus is still there on the, the DC New, but also the Batman Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham City type of things, so um, we've got a Firefly figure, and um, yeah, it's kind of an odd one, I mean, it's a beautiful looking figure, um, I don't know that Firefly has ever had a really sort of iconic costume, but um, yeah, this one's quite um, complex in, in the way it's put together, he's got some mechanical wings, and uh, obviously he's flamethrower. Um, I kind of like it. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm not disappointed with it. Um, as I said, I I can't sort of I can't imagine what a classic Firefly looks like, and since we're unlikely going to get a Firefly in you know any other um, from any other company, you know, Jeremy, you're a, you're a sort of a DC Classics kind of person. What what are your thoughts? You know, I, I've been looking at these, and both Firefly and Anarchy really just scream generic thug to me like mm. this this would be the guy who firefly would hire mm. Mm. but what one of one of several and if these were less than 30 dollars a piece i'd i'd actually consider getting a couple of these guys to to form yeah. a, a, an army or a, a gang yeah yeah yeah, I mean, we're getting a few figures here. We're also getting a, a Deadshot, which, um, you know, looks nothing like the traditional Deadshot. I mean, it's a fun-looking figure, but... Um, looks like he's know. going skiing. It does, yeah. He, he kind of looks like he's got some kind of, um, I don't know, almost like a motorbike outfit on. Um, as Jeremy mentioned, we're also getting an Anarchy. Um, I think the highlight of this figure, without a doubt, has got to be the, the Molotov cocktail that he's holding. It's actually particularly well done with the uh, the flames. Um, at, the, at the sort of mouth of the bottle. Um, I mean, Anarchy has a, a, a sort of definitive look in the old DC universe. And, and that's really, not it. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that's really come through is, is the mask, and um, which is a bit that's, of a shame. Cause, um, that's, a, that's why I, this one really feels like gang member. Yeah, yeah, he's borderline Vita Vendetta happening there, so... Um, and uh, we also get a Deathstroke figure, which is interesting because we just had um, the announced uh, an announced Deathstroke figure, and now we're getting another one. And once again, th- this one is almost um, indistinguishable. Um, sorry, sorry, unrecognisable. Uh, really, the split mask is the only thing that makes Deathstroke Deathstroke with this figure. Again, it's a beautifully sculpted figure. It, it looks really nice, but um, I mean, for me personally, Deathstroke has one of the most iconic costumes. Um, of any villain, and uh, yeah, it's just that's just not him for me. But um, you know, if that's your thing. Good luck to you. Yeah, this this is kind of like white. If Deathstroke has that regenerative ability, yeah. So why does he wear plate mail? Because it's it's cool like giving plate mail to Wolverine. <laughs> well, that's right. And you'd think, given his um, you know his heightened abilities with speed and reflexes, he'd just be hampered. But uh, yeah. Anyway, look, these figures will set you back twenty four ninety five US. They're on sale March two thousand fourteen. Um, speaking of figures, we talked about the Crime Syndicate of America last week. There was uh, the sort of full reveals of those figures that we saw in the shadows. Um, we've got a few more figures now. We've now seen Johnny Quick, who comes with um, Atomica, the uh, the female Adam, um, and we've also got an Owl Man. Uh, and once again, you know, great looking figures uh, of characters that I just don't need to own. 
Uh, yep. Hellman in particular, I don't mind. I, I find the colouring a bit sort of washed know. out. Yeah, Hell. it's kind of like that weird sky blue. It doesn't um, doesn't exactly sort of fill you with dread, does it? It almost looks like he's gonna, you know, sell you ice cream outside of a van or something. Almost periwinkle. Mm, it is. It is. Um, there's also a DC Comics Covergirl's Huntress statue. Um, I think we saw a prototype of this a while back. Um, yeah, look, I, I just don't have anything left to say about this new series. Uh, I mean, it's based on the art of um, Stanley Archer and Lau. Um, I quite enjoy his art, but I, I'm just, you know, Huntress is the, the one character that I wanted in the Women of the DC Universe line from Adam Hughes. So this one's a bit disappointing for me. Yeah, but, uh, that, I don't, uh, it doesn't scream Huntress to me. No, it's it's more of that sort of modern design. But um, look, they at least they're in the same scale. Um, the prices haven't gone up. They're still a hundred US. So, um, and uh, yeah, we've actually got a few more statues. We've got a, uh, a Batman black and white statue that is actually uh, based on Gary Frank. Um, quite a nice looking Batman. He's actually sort of a bit more reposed than some of the previous statues. Um, and uh, we've also got a Superman Man of Steel. Um, statue that's in that new sort of metallic line and it's um, based on designs the, by Kenneth Rockefort. The Christmas ornament style. Yes, yeah. So Scott seems to think these are, are pretty good with the uh, the metallic finish. Um, I mean, I'm just not sold on the costume, but, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing pose. It's not over the top like we've seen with a couple of them. If they went with that exact head, that exact head sculpt and that exact pose and put them in the classic outfit... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and look, you know, there are a few other bits and pieces from DC. They seem to be going quite uh, crazy and, and varied with their product at the moment. There's some uh, Scribble Noughts um, Series 2 figures. I'm sure Scott will be keeping an eye out for Aquaman there. It comes with a uh, the camo version. There is a Blackest Night Sinestro as Green Lantern bust, which is actually, yeah, it's not too bad. It's um, You could almost, almost say that it's classic Sinestro. Um, and there's uh, a set of Fables bookends for $250. I hope you're a, a huge fan of um, of Fables, because that's uh, a pretty pricey set to have. So, Dang. Yes. It's, uh, In it's breathtaking gunmetal yeah. silverette. So, look, you know, DC Collectibles, they're still cranking the stuff out. It might not be for, for all of us, but they're certainly putting out some varied products, so try and appeal the, to, you know, something for everybody there. All right, well... I think that wraps up the Articulated News, so we're going to be right back with the next instalment of the AFB podcast game, Name That. Well, now it's time for everybody's favourite podcast game, Name That. Our good friend John, a.k.a. Engineer Nerd from TVandFilmToys.com, who happens to be here with us, presents us with an action figure sound, and the aim of the game is to guess where it's from. Over to you, sir. Well, thank you very much. That was an awesome intro. Much better than what Scott's here. (laughs) That's a given. Yeah, well. um, You know, last week we heard a sound in... um, well, we'll play the sound first. So, Mr. Mister Boris, please insert the sound right here. Pick on someone your own size, Ripper! You asked for it, Piece of cake. Jack, look out! Whack! Whack! You ripped my shirt! And it so happens that uh, 
one of our own actually uh, picked up what the sound is, so I'm going to let you tell everybody what it is, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I was listening to the sound, and I usually I don't get it on the first time that you play it, but then when you say, let's hear it again, I listen to it, and I picked out a few keywords, and I thought, mm, that sounds really familiar, and uh, yeah, I took a guess that it was from the, the last action hero. Um, very sort of crappy line that came out with Arnie's movie many moons ago. Yeah, and, and I have to apologize to Chooch because, uh, from the forum, because apparently he likes that movie, and I may <laughs> I, have I said something bad. <laughs> I've only seen part of it. And, I like you know, it. I, I think if you only see part of it, you maybe didn't get the whole effect. <laughs> but what do I know? What do I know? Um, yeah, so anyway, but you've been awarded a forum point. Thank you. Please spend that wisely. Indeed. Isn't that your yeah. first uh, first name, that, Ben? Oh, no, I've done pretty well on the audio ones in the past. I've picked up a few. Yeah, he's got a few of them. Um He's got a whole bunch of the picture ones, too. Yeah. So. yeah. We still can't figure yeah. out that stupid gold, too. No, we can't. No. I don't know why. I think you should just resurrect it again now that we've got uh, a whole you know, bunch of new people on the forum. Just put us out of our misery. Maybe I'll do that. I'll, I'll do a best of this week. <laughs> the uh, all, all the unsolved. Yeah, well, I'd have to sort through them all, and I'm not going to do that to figure out what all the unsolved <laughs> ones are. Well, speaking of unsolved, you're going to hit us with a new one. Yes, I am. And we're going to hear that sound right here. It's attacking! Once we take this missile silo, we'll rule the world, General. And one more time. It's attacking! Once we take this missile silo, we'll rule the world, General. As always, if you want to be like Ben, which, you know, who doesn't, um, come on over to afbforum.com and make a guess. Um, we have a thread just for name that. And like you heard, Ben got a point and he's going to use that to buy coffee somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So come on over, make a guess if you want. You can play a picture version over at uh, tvandfilmtoys.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So all sorts of fun. Join in afbforum.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much, John. And coming up next is the Toy of the Week. You can bring home the adventure of Disney's Toy Story, now on video, with the talking and poseable figures of Woody and Buzz Lightyear. My name's Woody. Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. Cool. He goes in the dark. Meet intergalactic Buzz Lightyear. His new spacesuit protects him from evil proton rays and comes equipped with a flip-up arm communicator. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Firing missiles on target. Buzz Lightyear and Woody figures are each sold separately. Batteries are included from Thinkway. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, and that is Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail, and these might be new releases, or we might even talk about a favourite or bizarre item from our collection. And Jeremy, he's decided to throw his hat into the ring and give Toy of the Week a go. So, over to you, sir. Thank you. Uh, this week, uh, as anyone who, who's known me on the forums at all knows, I've been a collector of DC Comics glasses and cups, as we talked about on the last time I was on the show. And we're going to be talking about a 1978 release from Avalon Toys called the Superman Color and Recolor Mugs. And what these were is a pair of mugs, uh, the, the thermal, thermoserve, as they used to be known as, type mug, where there's a, an outer shell, uh, a slip of paper that has some sort of picture or something on it, and then the inner liner of the cup 
or, or the mug, where you actually would hold the, the juice or liquid. Now, what these are, this is a, a set of two cups, came with crayons, a cleaning cloth that I actually got with my set, oh, cool. and, and six inserts that kids could color themselves. They could choose the Super Friends, uh, Batman, Superman, uh, a group of the, the uh, other Super Friends, and color themselves and put in to customize and basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Personalize their mug. Excellent. And uh, I've got scans of the of the six different inserts that are available, and I'll put those up on the forum in my own in my own thread uh, when we when I start putting more about um, the various cups and glasses that I do have. Uh, this is, like I said, this is from '78, so it is certainly have 1978 style packaging. Uh, it's a cardboard box with uh, two kids on the front, a boy and a girl. Uh, coloring in the, the various pictures with a cartoon Superman laid in with them, paying attention to what they're doing. The uh, I still ha- I still got the crayons, and they're actually still whole, which wow. was a surprise. Although they aren't uh, aren't Superman crayons or anything like that, they are just Avalon crayons from 1978. So they're <laughs> an old wax box, and and uh, the both mug- I do have both mugs. They're in great shape, no cracks or cracks or anything in them. And all six all six of the uh inserts, like I said, one or one of which does have some coloring on it that I wasn't actually able to wipe off. But, you know, like I said, they're they're over thirty years old, so no big surprise there. And so these they they they've managed to sort of um you know, this set hasn't been used in any way, so somehow someone's managed to sort of put it away for for over thirty years. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they got started on it, but never carried it through. Possibly put it aside because it was, you know, it was the seventies. They went outside. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they they started coloring on a rainy day and then went outside, um, and then put it away and never pulled it out again. So it does look like it's never been used. And, and so was this something that you know, as a collector of of obviously you know superhero drinkware, that you were aware of, or, or did you just sort of come across it in your you know sort of search routine? This was one of those that uh, actually uh, Chip, uh, uh, a friend of mine, came up with. Uh, he he pointed it out to me, and then I dashed over to eBay and paid through the nose for it. <laughs> oh, fantastic! That is, and I guess the good thing about them being a, a vintage item is that um, you know you're going to get all that classic art as well. Do do you recognize any of the art? Uh, yeah, there there is some Alex Toth, uh, especially with the Super Friends. Uh, oh, does appear to be uh, some of the early Kurt Swan in some of the Superman stuff. Uh, I do recognize uh, Neil Adams in uh, a picture of Batman and Aquaman here. Um, it does look like there's some Gil... I think there's some Gil Kane in this as well. So, I mean, they're little tiny snippet pictures, but it does... It, they are the classic artists in the classic costumes, and it, it they're, they're really nice and crisp, too. Fantastic. And are you aware of any others in the series? You know, I I keep looking and I haven't found any yet, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. And um, and who were they actually put out by? Is it sort of one of those companies that's um, 
it's it's Avalon Industries. Avalon. Now I I haven't I I believe that they're out of business because I haven't seen anything about them or from them in a long time. Mm. I could be wrong in that. Yeah. Okay. Did they were they doing this sort of stuff at the time, or is this unusual for them? I have not actually looked into that. Uh, let me see here. Avalon Industries. Of course, I, I start looking it up, and I find all sorts of electronic companies. <laughs> uh, no, this is Avalon Casual Clothing from the 80s. So um, this particular Avalon Industries may very well be out of business. Yeah. I think this you, is, sorry, John. Do, do you know, does the art kind of match up with the, the Mego uh, clip art styles, or... You know, where you could have, like, say, a, an Aquaman and match it up with an Aquaman Mego uh, kind of thing. Yes. The, the the one that I talked about that had um, Bat, the Batman and Aquaman, Gil, uh, Neil Adams, or at least appears to be Neil Adams, that does look more like the Mego, the circle heads that they did. Um, the Batman, the, the one that's specifically Batman has Batman and Robin and the old Batman in the, in the Bat symbol logo. That is older, and I'm not 100% sure who the artist is on that. The Superman does appear to be Kurt Swan. Um, there's one that's Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Green Arrow, and that's the same art that's seen on the uh, the the Slurpee Cups that came out in the 70s as well. And I think Aquaman might have been a Gil Kane. I know Wonder Woman isn't. But then there is the one that's uh, that's the Super Friends, and that is straight up Alex Todd, yeah. including a Batgirl who I don't remember ever seeing in the in the show. <laughs> I think uh, now now is this the um, the the image that they used for for this set on the box? Do do you have the two kids with Superman standing in between them? Yes, it's uh, he I. I think he's actually sitting because if he's standing, they're really tall kids. Yeah, hunching. Yeah, I think kids of the seventies must have been pretty weird because they they're getting right into their coloring while freaking Superman's standing next to them. <laughs> it's kind of creepy, really. <laughs> yeah, the, Color the girl faster, little boy. <laughs> the the girl in particular is a little scary looking. <laughs> Like, I don't know what's going on here, but if I don't stop smiling, something bad's going to happen. That's right. And so, you know, does this sort of concept extend beyond the mugs? Um, do you know if they were sort of other matching, you know, dinnerware or...? I have seen um, things where they, they've released a, a cup plate saucer set and things like that, mm. but I haven't seen it with the... This was the first time I've ever seen... Where you could pull open the cup, change the inner the uh, the inner sleeve to something to something else. So you could essentially use one cup and have you know for six days and keep claiming, look, it's just a new cup, mom. Yeah, and, and the paper inserts. Uh, one thing that's got me curious is, you know, if it's a if it's a hot day and you've you've filled it up with a, a cool liquid and added some ice cubes and. You get that whole condensation thing happening. You think that's likely to to affect the paper? They are waxed on on the outside, so there it does have some sturdiness to it. And, and while we've been talking, I've been poking around, and it does appear as though there was a Spider-Man set of the same the same deal. 
Very good. And and how big would you say they are? They're, I would say they're about standard coffee cup size. Okay, that's the, sort of the 11 or 12 ounce sort of thing. Yeah, and the handles are certainly not set up for an adult hand. I can get two fingers into the handle. <laughs> that's about it. And do they come across as, as, I mean, obviously there's the age factor, but it was a, the sort of thing that would um, would survive the, the rough and tumble of being handled by, you know, a, a young person? The cup itself, I would say yes. I'm not so sure about the handles. The handles do seem kind of flimsy. Hmm. I, I think one good smack on a table and the, the handles might actually come right off. One good tantrum. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That's um. Well, that's quite novel. I, I think you know, g- given the passion that you have for superhero drinkware, that's um really quite an unusual item. I, I was completely unaware that anything like that existed. Yeah, uh, like I said, so was I. I but I keep getting surprised by what what's actually out there, and mm. yeah, yeah. I, I turn around and I find something new, and it's like, oh, well, that must be brand new, and no, it's from 1944. Yeah. Yeah. Or. Something like that, and I suppose you know it's it's a sign of the times too. I mean, years ago, you, you go back twenty years ago, and, and people often had things, and they didn't realise um, there would be any value to it, and, and there wasn't an easy way to sort of look it up. But uh, you know, nowadays people can jump online and, and check quite easily, and so it's it's really not unusual for people to sort of dig things out like this, you know, out of a, a, a garage somewhere and think, hmm, you know, this is probably valuable to someone out there. i better get it on eBay. Pluck something out of the attic, yeah. yeah. All right. Any last comments or thoughts? I'm good. <laughs> you don't have a dolly rating for it? Uh, I would give it a... Except for the fact that the there's one that's colored that I can't give it, I, I'd give it a good solid eight. I've got to take a couple points off for the, the, the flimsy handles and the the funky crayons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the Toy of the Week. When we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added out to our collection this week. X-Men Origins Wolverine. It's all about the claws. Now the unstoppable power of Wolverine can be in your hands. With Clawsome Wolverine action figures, the bad guys are tough, but the claw-popping superhero Wolverine is the toughest there is. X-Men Origins Wolverine action figures and vehicles. Well, we're all here because we collect, so Feeding the Addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders we've made. And, John, what have you picked up? Well, I gotta blame Adam. Because <laughs> he's always talking about, you know, some kind of Japanese figure or whatever. And uh, I had a Facebook ad pop up for a Japanese site, so I ordered a couple of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, uh, they were on sale. And three paychecks later. <laughs> well, no, they weren't. They were both on sale and they were fairly inexpensive, all things considered. Um, one of the things I ordered was a, a Nemo Revoltech. Nemo meaning Nemo the fish from ah, Finding yes, Nemo, yes. The, the Pixar Nemo. And uh, he's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever had a figure with independently posable eyes before. Right, okay. And he's got he's got little switchable faces. He's He's pretty cool, I'm sure. I'm sure we will see some pictures on my site in sometime in the near future. Cool. I would so, imagine. So how big is he? Um, he's probably about 
four and a half inches long, but he's got he's got like two joints in his body and his fins are articulated. He comes with a little coral base, and he comes with a little uh, dory as well. But dory's like way out of scale. Mm. Um, looks like dory, but you know, not 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 too bad. But he's pretty neat. Um, I, I've got him kind of. I've opened him and looked at him, but um, haven't looked at him in a whole lot of detail yet. So yeah, yeah. but pretty cool figure. And then I got a. Uh, I gotta see if I can get this Revoltek Takeya Ashura um, figure, it's which is yeah, it's from their um, it's a, it's a Buddhist figure, I believe. Yeah, Buddhist statue collection, and uh, the one I got has uh, three faces and six arms, and I got the wood green version, which means it's kind of more of a, a bronzy looking color, like a tannish color, and. Uh, it's kind of a cool figure. I, I I never had one of these, you know, multi, highly articulated Japanese figures before, so it's been kind of fun to. And that's quite outside your normal comfort range. So what what uh, what was the inclination behind that purchase? Well, I think this is the the thing that faces off against Laura Croft in the the first Tomb Raider movie. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. I think it's the same as that, and that kind of helped. And I, I thought it would look good because it's a statue type coloration, mm-hmm. um, you know, with a with a Hellboy or a, an Indiana Jones in front of it. I, I thought, you know, it would make a neat display piece that way. Okay. Yeah. Because it's about, you know, it's about that six inch figure range, six and, or five and a half to six inch, you know, figure range. So yeah, I, I yeah. thought with you know a, a three and three quarter inch figure in front of it, it would be a a, a cool, you know kind of bad guy to face off against them. But yeah, it definitely is outside of my, yeah. my, my comfort range, but, uh, you know, a bunch of different hands and, um, like again, you know, I, I've opened it, um, haven't really dove into it yet. So <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Break, breaking this, breaking the seal. You'll be collecting six inch here anytime now. No, 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 no. Won't happen. Uh-huh. Until you pick that first Star Wars figure up. Uh, you know, I I listened to the show when I was in Toys R Us right after I listened to it, and uh, <laughs> I, I saw R two and I picked him up and um, I passed. I just what? Yeah, I I couldn't uh, quite push myself see, over. R two isn't a six inch figure; he's only three inches tall. That's right. He yeah, still but, fits in your into your collection. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> need a, a super R two in my collection. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Jeremy, I, I hope you're not going to summarize uh, all of your purchases for the previous 52 episodes since we spoke to you last. No, but I'll, I'll hit the, the, the couple of things that have come in the last couple of, couple of weeks. Uh, mostly eBay purchases, although I did pick up the DCUC Red Robin that I managed to find in a Kmart a couple of week, uh, about a week ago. So what do, what do you think of that figure? As the Kingdom Come Robin, he's great. As Tim Drake, he's a little too buff. Mm, mm. I, I I like it. I don't mind it. I just wish they'd gone with a 16-year-old Tim Drake Red Robin that he's supposed to be, according to the box art, versus yep. the Batman Jr. Super buff. Yeah. Mm, fair enough. And uh, I, I've also got... Uh, the, the crisis, the infinite infernal crisis, uh, huntress on the way. <laughs> that that order just went through this week, so that that should be here sometime next week. Yes, as did mine, but mine will be here in a month. Well, you know, maybe the turtles will catch a tailwind. 
And then, uh, of course, me being me and managing my own particular collection, I've got a bunch of new cups and glasses that have come in recently, the highlights of which are a, uh, a 1997 Batman and Robin movie, Batman and Robin, uh, cups from the French Quick Restaurants. I managed to score two out of the three cups. One is a, a Batman bust. Uh, it has a Batman bust for a topper that has a coin bank in the back, and the other is an Arnold, Mr. Freeze, that's a, um, it's a squirt gun. <laughs> you, you, you fill up the, you fill up the, uh, the thing, and it's a, it, it amounts to a squirt gun. Good gravy. And then I've, uh, I also managed to get the, uh, the Toon Tumbler Batman and Wonder Woman's. To, to add to that, that particular collection. Now those are those are really nice glasses, and that uh, the guy that does the tune tumblers really does a great job. Mm-hmm. I I can't. And uh, those actually came in from Mike S, uh, who, as as we all know, is just awesome for that sort of thing. He's indeed. And then the last one, the the one that's uh, that's more interesting, or at least uh, out of the, the group that I've got here, is from 1998. Now, this is a what appears to be an unlicensed piece from the crew of Grella in New Orleans. Now, as I understand it, the crew of Grella is one of the uh, groups of folks that put together the Mardi Gras floats. Each, each group or crew has their own float, and they, and they work on these things. Uh, this particular cup is uh, the fictional heroes of the world and includes Hal Jordan, the... Superman, the animated series Superman, The Shadow, Yay. <laughs> and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course. Which, which, which makes loads of sense. Uh, it also includes the, um, the crew of Gorilla Seal, which appears to be very royal, except for the cartoonish K and G. Um, it's a small soda can-sized cup. It's, uh, I just like it because it's, it's kooky. Yeah, it's, yeah. The characters have got... Oh, very little, if anything, to do with one another, and uh, it's very different. That is quite novel, and I imagine that must be somewhat hard to come by. I mean, it's, it's not exactly a large sell-through bricks-and-mortar type item, so that sounds like... Well, and I imagine this is one of those things that they just gave away beer in at Mardi Gras. Mm, mm, that's right. So so somebody may not have actually paid for this at all. It just They just grabbed it and went. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I don't have anything difficult to pronounce. Uh, in, in fact, it's been a very quiet week for me. I'm almost going through uh, some sort of withdrawal symptoms. My uh, loan acquisition was the DC uh, Infernal Crisis Fire figure. And uh, I, I actually had the DC Direct Fire action figure in my, my DC Universe Classics display um, just because I didn't think we'd ever get fire. So... Uh, I actually swapped those two figures out today, and uh, it actually really occurred to me just how short she is because uh, she was at the back of one of my shelves, and, and swapping her over, she just disappeared, basically. So I might have to do a bit of rearranging so that we can uh, actually see her. But, oh, look, it's not a bad figure. I uh, don't mind that one. Is your belt as high as mine is? Yeah, it's got that sort of really weird thing where the belt is attached in, some, in her uh, lower back, um, and, and, and as the anchoring point, and so it sits sort of a bit odd. But um, oh, yeah, mine's, mine's actually in her right hip, hmm. above her hip bone. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, oh, look, there's a little bit of tooling. I mean, they've obviously tooled the um, her her top and her boots, and uh, the hair's sort of not too bad, even though there's a, an awful lot of it. But um, I guess that's in in the spirit of the character. So yeah, so that's it for me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm in the process of um, organising a purchase with a friend of uh, the forum, Cinegang. So I'll probably talk about that next week. Oh, that probably isn't cheap. Yeah, no, 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 it's not. So, uh, anyway. All right, well, if no one has any other items to report, we'll be right back with our discussion topic of the week. Tired of losing battle after battle in the sky, the Autobots create the ultimate robot jet. Jetfire. Transformers, more than meets the eye. But the evil Decepticons have a secret new weapon. Shockwave. Well, this episode we're talking dioramas, literally meaning through that which is seen. We all like to collect action figures and get them out on display and appreciate their greatness, but uh, some of us give it that little bit extra and through the addition of three-dimensional modelling or scenes take our collection display to a whole other level. And Jeremy's no slouch when it comes to dioramas, but uh, more than ably anchoring our team for this episode's discussion is a gentleman who has made it more than just a hobby, Mr. Frank Diorio. Welcome, Frank, and thanks very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Even though it's early, it's like always great to worry about the hobby and, and get people interested, you know? Absolutely. So I thank you for calling me, yes. No, thank you, thank you. Well, look, before we get underway and, and talk about all things diorama and whatnot, why don't you just sort of tell us a bit about yourself, like, um, I guess, you know, uh, your, your interests growing up and, and how you eventually got to where you are today. Oh, in a nutshell. Well, <laughs> obviously, like like most people uh, in my generation, um, I guess what started it all was Star Wars for me. I was 12, I think, or 12 or 13 when it came out in 77. And um, before that, I was a lot into the fantasy films like the Ray Harry Oz and Sinbads and, yeah. and Planet of the Apes and stuff like that. And so... Uh, Star Wars really changed things, obviously, like not just for me, but for a lot of people. And when I saw that, um, it's what sparked my interest in wanting to work in film. And then at the same time, obviously, with the toys that came out, it started my sort of like uh, fascination. Well, no, I wouldn't say fascination, but like my mom used to buy me the figures. So that's what started sort of like the collecting. Yeah. And then if we fast forward, say like in 94, when Hasbro started redoing or when they relaunched the Star Wars uh, toys, yeah. uh, at that time I was working uh, my first job just out of university at a TV station. So I was able to afford buying stuff now and not having to ask my mom for it <laughs> some of the early stuff you do you'd say oh mom buy me the death star playset you know and she'd say are you crazy it cost 99 dollars well now I'd, I'd be able to to afford it on my own so i started um buying those and obviously i don't think any of us really would you know when that came out in 94 uh would think that in 2013, the toys would still be being made and all that. I thought it would last for three or four years, maybe, or something like that. And I had said, okay, I'm going to buy one of everything just to save <laughs> in two years that I have the whole collection. And then 
that sort of went out the window at some point <laughs> when <laughs> it was just everything, uh, you know, from A to Z was being made for for the Star Wars movies and stuff. Did, did so you really keep then, up with Star Wars figures? Like, are you still sort of collecting avidly today? Uh, I I kind of like stopped at maybe two, two three years ago, I'd say, where it because of 94, like at a certain point, it started being so much of the repackaging of the same mm. figures and stuff. So I, I stopped doing the buy one of everything rule and I just started buying the figures from, uh, you know, that were kind of like new versions yeah. or figures that I knew that I'd be able to incorporate in dioramas in the future. And uh, I would sort of like lean a little bit more on the original trilogy because that was really like my generation's things you know I, that's why like i'm really excited about episode seven and the new movies coming out because it's really sort of like the continuation of the characters that i grew up and loved so much you know yeah. like padme and jar jar and all these things you know like i know the kids loved it but for me i don't know it just kind of i shouldn't say that because I, <laughs> I work at ilm <laughs> some projects and and lucasfilm and i love them but you know i don't know it just left me a little cold the new movies you know it was sort of like you know visually if obviously it was striking but this i don't know this there was a spark missing for me that didn't you know the it seemed like the wit and the humor was missing that we had in the originals you know yeah, kind of. yeah. i think maybe yeah. it's an age thing too yeah. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know. It's like I didn't get that feeling with like watching Lord of the Rings or mm. movies. You know, it, it's those didn't seem like bad acting kind of thing. So I don't know if it's age, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So now I collect. You know, j- just the figures that I really like and sort of like slowed down on just buying. You know, all of the just because there's Star Wars on it. You know. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, one thing that surprised me was that I thought that I'd get all excited about the new Black series that came out, and I got the first wave of the tall ones. And I'm actually, I don't know if I'd use the word disappointed, but it didn't spark sort of like a new interest in me that I thought it would, which is good because then I'd have to start all making new dioramas for that scale. Oh, so, Frank, I, I love them. <laughs> I, I like you, but I like you better all the time. <laughs> So you're not a six-inch guy uh, collector. Well, I, I, you know, you think back. What was? What was? Do you remember the name of the line that they made? Uh, maybe six years ago or so. They didn't have the articulation on them. I don't know. Was it Unleashed that they called it? They came like in a little. Oh yeah, tube. that was Unleashed. They had the. They. I know they had Bespin Luke and they had a, a Boba Fett and and the Princess Leia. Either. I yeah. Found, yeah, found that, you know, obviously it was more like statue pose kind of thing than an articulation that they have in the Black Series. But I kind of thought those were sort of cooler than what they have now. But I, I don't know. There's something about the smaller figures that just kind of look neater. And, you know, I already have thousands of them. So to start <laughs> all over from scratch to me is like ridiculous. And outside of the U.S. also, like the costs is like just mm. insane. Like here... If you can find it, you have to go to specialty stores because you can't find them at Toys R Us or anything. And they they sell like one figure, like $40, $45. So it's, you know, if you start collecting that, if you think that, oh, and, you know, down the line, I'll be buying 10 of them or 20 or 30, then it just becomes like, I don't even, I'd rather 
spend my money somewhere else, honestly, <laughs> at this point. I'll buy my diorama materials before I start spending $40 on one action figure. Yeah. yeah. You, you think the Star Wars uh, Hasbro would be hooking you up? <laughs> yeah, well, no. You know, that's the funny thing. You know, even, you know, Steve Sansweet, who uh, who has that awesome Rancho Obi-Wan and who, who was just, uh, I think they inaugurated him in the Guinness Book of World Records just this week. It's like I when um, when I worked at ILM for the first time in 2007 and his office and when I was we were organizing the Celebration 4 at the time. And it was the first time that I was able to, instead of doing uh, the, um, you know, the, the preparation for the show by email, I was able to take the elevator and go meet them in their offices. And that was one of the first questions I asked him even, you know, with the size of his collection. I said, like, don't, doesn't Hasbro just send you cases and stuff? And he goes, hell no. He goes, I have to pay oh, wow. for everything, you know, which really <laughs> surprised me. I was going, like, if, if anyone would get free stuff, it would be him. But mm. So, no, uh, I, I'm kind of like you guys on, you know, I buy all of my own my own toys and all of the stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not important enough, I guess, to get freebies and stuff. Because I really don't do – I used to do reviews on my old site, but I don't really do reviews. So maybe that's why they don't see it as sort of like we'll give him free figures so that he'll help uh, sell sell them true. kind of thing. Yeah. I don't Even know. if you do reviews, I'll they take, don't send I'll, you stuff. I'll, no? Well, okay. Because no. I was going to no. say uh, I'll, I'll take free stuff if they want to send it, but I, <laughs> I – I know they. I know they won't do that, but that's fine. You know, it's like I. I sort of like it makes you appreciate the toy a little bit more when you actually pay for it, and you, you know, you select the stuff that you want. So, yeah. so when did dioramas sort of um, start to appear in your career? You you obviously began, you know, working in film. Yes. So, like, well, that's my real job. My real job, I do digital compositing in film. So uh, the dioramas is just a hobby, really. It's like sort of like what I do on the weekends. <laughs> um, it's uh, even though it seems that it takes <laughs> all of my time on, and spare, but it's because I love it so much. A lot of my friends say like, you're always doing that. And I go, well, why don't you get a hobby kind of thing? <laughs> you know, it's like when we were, when we were kids, you know, I said, didn't you used to like build models or didn't you like do like train sets or something? And they go like, no. I said, well, there's your problem. You, did, you never had a hobby when you were a kid. But uh, for dioramas, I started, I think, well, again, going back to 94 when I started build, uh, buying the Star Wars stuff. And then eventually by maybe 98 or so, a couple of years after that, when, you know, I it, we were up to maybe 150 figures or so. And um they were just lying on the shelves and they were like falling over like bowling pins. And <laughs> like, it, it looked nice to sort of like, you know, see them displayed side by side. Uh, Cause I always bought the toys, you know, I never, I never really uh, bought them thinking, okay, well, I'm going to keep them carded for in 10 years, they'll be worth more and stuff like that. So I always actually one of the few collectors, I guess, that would actually buy the stuff to open them. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So when, when uh, they were on display and, uh, and stuff on the shelf, it was cool. And then just at the early beginnings of the internet, uh, I think I had fallen on, I don't remember if it was Star Constructs, uh, Marcus in Germany, who actually started at the same time as when I was doing the, had started the Nyeb Nyeb Universe site. And 
I had seen a diorama of someone just doing sort of like a rock playset or something, or maybe it was for Star Trek figures with the Gorn or something. I, I can't remember the exact spark, but I said, oh, that's kind of cool to have a backdrop instead of, you know, just putting them on a, on a plain shelf. And then I started with, well, with, the, with shelf dioramas, because that's what I had a small limited space in at the house. So it was just um, uh, doing sort of like, little rocks or or uh, like um i think the first one was hoth where it was just like a white background made of plaster and then uh yeah. you know some some little um baking powder for the snow and things and then i just <laughs> put the figures lined up they were still lined up but at least they were sort of like an environment and that was kind of cool and then it sort of grew from there where um the fun of where I am now is you try to top yourself at with every creation. And then at a certain point it was like, okay, well let's try to put the shelf aside and then do one that's sort of like to more like on scale of the movie set. And, and then I try to more like stick to that now. So sometimes, you know, you'll have to, you'll have one that'll be maybe two feet by two feet. So you'd have to put it in a corner somewhere and then you try to, adjusted for the shelves and different things like that but yeah that's that's kind of like how i got started into the this whole crazy thing oh, fantastic well i guess I'll, I'll just sort of throw it out there with a a really big question then and 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 what actually makes a, a good diorama mm-hmm. um i guess it's kind of changes for everyone you know it's you know it's like when you were making model kits as a kid you know um I guess a good diorama for me is when you look at it and it kind of like makes you smile, you know, and uh, obviously the kick that I get now is when it looks like the movie scene and you're, and uh, so it's, you say, okay, I did a a good job on that one and, and uh, different things like that. But, you know, it, 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 I don't know, it's, that's a hard question to to (laughs) answer because I guess it's personal for every Every person, you know, and I don't like judging. I don't want to say like, oh, it's when one is like super intricate and stuff, because obviously when you have people building diorama, I would, I would, I I guess you could, we could say that it falls into sort of like an arts and craft category Mm. kind of thing, because you are creating with objects and different things. So, you know, obviously you have different skill levels and stuff. So I don't like putting, you know, saying that someone who's starting off is not a good diorama compared to someone who spent like 10 years making one or or whatever so so i i I guess so like if it makes you smile when you look at it then you could say like oh i did a good job with that and and then you know you just learn from the techniques that you do so you know that the next one will be better and so on and then you know yeah Yeah. i'd say context when you look at a diorama it tells you the story yes that's true you you know exactly what's going on there from from the diorama versus when you just have a bunch of figures standing on a shelf, it's a class picture. Mm. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. yeah. It goes again to what you were saying. What you just said is what makes me smile. Like when you recognize the scene, you know, and you say like, yeah. oh, that looks like the film. And then you just get a kick out of it, you know. And uh, yeah, that that does make the difference, you know, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, did John? you? Well, especially, you know, if you got like a non-toy collector come over and see your collection and they, they see a diorama, especially if it, you know, hey, that's that scene in that movie, you know, and it helps them pick that up. I think that that's the sign for me that you've done something cool. 
you know, whether it's detailed or not, they can go, oh, I understand now, yeah. you know. Well, my, my, my Orkin uh, team actually fight to, to get to my house to, to check out my display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a, a sign in itself, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, if you have a good look around the internet when it comes to things like dioramas, whether it be um, you know pop culture related, such as um, superheroes or, or film related, there's also obviously that that classic sort of diorama um, that that people have been putting together in in sort of um, military museums and that sort of thing. They they can certainly be quite imposing to to look at. So, I mean, if people are getting started for the first time, I guess um, you know throwing it to you, Frank. What what are some of the, the things that people should consider, the do's, the don'ts? What, what goes into the planning process? Oh, my God, that's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> Sorry. The, the, do's and don't, the do's and don'ts, don't, uh, don't chop your finger off with an exacto blade. Mm. I think that would be the, the, the top of the list. Um, don't forget that hot see. glue gun produces hot glue. Oh, yes, I know. I just put a picture on my Twitter this week of, like, a nice blister I got on my thumb from that. <laughs> it's like even even after a decade of building, you still have hot glue drip on your finger, and then you just go, like, oh, damn. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, but I guess that's part of the, you know, of the hobby, the scars, you, the proud scars that you that you wear from yeah, uh, there. That's right. From, <laughs> from building. But, um yeah, you have to realize that, you know, even though it's fun and, uh, you know, it, it, there, it, you still have to be, you know, cautious because you are working with sharp materials and stuff like that. And, and depending on, you know, the, the, the tools, you should at least, you know, be cautious of, of, uh, what you're doing. It's like, I remember when we were doing the, um, the celebration five diorama, we were doing Hoth and we said, we, I found for the first time, well, I guess I must have used that when I was a kid, the wood burning pens there, because I mm. actually remembered what it was. But, and I thought, oh, maybe this would work to burn like uh, grooves in styrofoam, you know? And when we were doing the test at home, it was fine. Like you saw that there was some kind of like toxic smoke kind of coming out of it. But when you're just doing a test, you're just one, right? And so when we were doing it at the convention, we were like hundreds of people doing this at the same time and you know the the even the, the diorama area was sort of like you know the uh, in uh, the main hall which is kind of like a airplane hangar size kind of thing <laughs> and the actors were signing autographs i'd say maybe 500 meters away or, or something like this and then someone came and told us at one point they were waiting in line for autographs and and the people the uh, the actors were starting to say what's that smell <laughs> because, <laughs> because all our vapors from the styrofoam were sort of like going all across to where the autographs were <laughs> so we started saying oh maybe this is not a really good technique to use you know so so you have to sort of like be and then we're lucky we no one actually burned themselves with the pens or anything like that yeah. so yeah you have to look out for like cuts and scrapes and and different things like that but um uh, what, what you were asking? What was the was one of the easy things to build, or what was the your first question? I, I yeah, sort I, of I like went so. on a tangent there. No, no, that's fine. I, I'm thinking more. Uh, I'm thinking about the the planning stage. Do you, you know, what what sort of um, thinking goes into the planning? Do you tend to sort of sketch it out, and and then from there, sort of make your list of materials? Uh, how does that work? Um, 
well because like uh, the like uh, I I guess you know I don't know how you guys build your dioramas and different things like that like because I on my website I try to do the instructions for the families to build with their kids and stuff like that so I try to design with um sort of like everyday objects or dollar store objects in mind you know oh, yeah, as a, yeah. as opposed to you know I could I could build it using techniques like from the island model shop and different things and make it look super realistic like the film. But then, you know, 90% of the people wouldn't be able to have that material. Like you wouldn't have vacuum form machines or different things at home. So it's kind of like, you know, not pointless. It would be fun to make and because it's a different level or skill. And I know that there are people who like to work with styrene and different things like that on the, on the net who do amazing things. But uh, I try to stay with foam core and different materials that you can kind of do. So I guess the first thing is, uh, I just see like what figures are lying around that, uh, you know, would make a, uh, uh, you know, a good scene. Like, so like if you say like a Jabba's palace or cantina or different things where you'd have, you know, like hundreds of figures or even like a dozen figures. And then after that, I'd go on, um, I'd pop in like the video or go on the internet for references to try and see like, okay, what pictures, because now my kick for me is trying to make it as close to the actual movie set as possible. So that if I do like a, if I do a cinema comparison photo and you look quickly and that, because some of the sculpts that Hasbro is making and even other like NECA and other companies for other toys, the, the, you know, that when you look at them through camera lenses, it's really amazing. The details and the likenesses that they're having now in, in, in sculpts and stuff. So if you're able to do kind of, cause I'm not really a customizer for figures. So um, if you do like the sort of the Barbie home, if you want to call it that, and then you use the figures to sort of like populate after. So I want to try to get the movie set to sort of like match the quality that the, that the toy artists actually sculpt and, and give it, give us at, at the stores. The, the last thing is, um, trying to find like what materials I want to use, like, uh, either foam core or plaster or different things like that. But I know a lot of people like to use styrene or more advanced techniques. So what kind of, what kind of materials do you guys use when you make your own dioramas at home? Well, for me, I, I, I started off with the, the really thick foam core for, for what I'm doing. And then I figured out that it just wasn't going to stand up over time. So I've switched up to, to using the really thin um, dollhouse plywood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Is it more like a press wood? Or? I build an actual wood frame, and then I, I, build, I put, the, uh, put the plywood on, and then I build off of that. Now, because I'm using, I'm actually building buildings. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that must make, that makes it heavy, like really it heavy. Does, it does make it heavy. Um, I, I certainly can't move the thing around. It's bolted to the wall, wall of my living room and isn't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, yeah, that, well, that's good. I guess, you know, it's, you know, it, the, the one thing when you use everyday materials, you know, you obviously like the way had, um, I had a flood recently uh this summer and we had this we had the sores back up and my my death star my emperor's arrival was like sitting on the floor from because we had just we had just did uh, renovations and cleaning up stuff and and so like even though it's elevated six inches or something like the whole foam core was all warped and all that and it was kind of like sad but it sort of like motivates you to do a new version kind of thing that's like my favorite one (laughs) of all of them (laughs) 
That was a cool one to make, actually. We had done that for a store window display, actually, and then we we traipsed it all the way to. That was the first piece I think that we actually made a made it to one of the celebration conventions and and had I, public public viewing. So, do you guys ever like do do you like bring your stuff into local stores or or like do like uh, displays at? Uh, do you have conventions at your in your own cities and things or? No, not not specifically. I, I've certainly built a, a lot of um, scenery for uh, tabletop wargaming over the years, uh, Warhammer mm-hmm. Forty Thousand and things like that. And uh, the, the the styrene that I found was um, it actually came from a store that sells it as insulation, like wall insulation. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being that that traditional white styrene that that you get when you when you buy a DVD player and it holds it in the box, it's um, it's it's super fine and it can be sanded super smooth like perfectly smooth and um it comes in, in enormous sheets and it's it's quite cheap and so i've certainly um purchased my is that the, like the, the blue, is that the blue one that's the one yes yeah yes. Yeah, mm. yeah amazing stuff i actually um i made a muppet show sign with gonzo in the middle of it and i took that to a, a con a couple of years ago and i i had a lot of people just coming over to the table going hey you know what is that and, and <laughs> wanting to know more about it because you know that that was kind of cool and um you know that, that was one of those things that people were able to kind of recognize and go oh that's neat and you know we kind of sucked people in as a conversation starter for sure <laughs> and that's what's cool about when you see other people's stuff also is that it actually makes you learn different t- techniques and different materials and and then it it sets you off like in different paths to sort of like better yourself also in different things so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, to mention, Frank, you, you sort of just in passing mentioned earlier that you uh, that you include in instructions and things like that on on your website. So I, I certainly, um, you know, we have to give a, a shout out to your website, which is um, www.dioramaworkshop.com. And one of the things I really wanted to compliment you on is, um, you know, many people devote websites to their hobbies and, and show off their stuff, but you've really gone above and beyond to share that information with people and 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 put that effort into those how-tos you know what what made you go to that much effort um well i think it's like when when i was working at uh, one of my early jobs here in town um i had always you know being you know a, a film fanatic also i always loved making ofs and different things like that and so w- when i was building before the internet even existed kind of thing, I would take just regular photos with the 35 millimeter film and stuff like that. And one day I was showing the photos at work um, of like of my displays and stuff. And then someone had told me, you should put this on the internet because it's really cool and you should like share it, you know? <laughs> and so I said, oh, that's kind of neat, but I knew nothing of internet and stuff. And then I said to myself, like, I really don't want to just put photos of my work sort of like look at me look at me i thought it was a bit like big-headed ego kind of thing and and so i thought well maybe if i add like instructions and make it sort of like try to do a educational kind of thing and and try to create a place that would like um, motivate people to start joining the hobby as well so so that's what kind of like sparked the initial ideas for 
you know, as I was building, I would take step-by-step pictures and eventually started putting those online. And then if I did decals for my scene, well, you know, why just leave the decal rod on my hard drive and why not just put it out there and have it be able for you to download and print it at home and then you can recreate, you know, using the instructions and everything, the same scene at home. So it's sort of like spawned from that idea, you know, and, uh, through the years, you know, the, it's, it's funny to see that it, you know, I've seen people copies of like either my, the back to tank set or the bounty hunters bridge or different things like that. Or even like, I guess the most simple one is like the death star hallways where, you know, kids love that one with their parents. Cause you basically are just sticking decals on a, a flat piece of cardboard and it really brings the, you know, just a regular shelf thing to life because you see the Star Wars neons from the Death Star and all the yeah, things. And, yeah. and you know, so uh, when I see that, I, I you know, I, I get a chuckle and I see, OK, well, at least people understand what I'm my instructions aren't that complicated. And <laughs> it's sort of at least a, a step in in the right direction, you know, but uh, well, those those how to pictures are hard to take and, you know, to, to really do them well. And I didn't realize how hard until I tried it myself. So. <laughs> Um, well, when you have a friend try to take photos, it, it helps a little bit. Like we tried to, obviously, some of the early, early scenes that I did, I didn't, I didn't have a camera or the instructions that I, I had taken at that time. So, I, it's only at a certain point that I started incorporating those. And when we did, when we changed from Yum Yum's universe and went into sort of the modern age, which is why I changed the name of the the site to DioramaWorkshop.com, and I sort of wanted to go away from Star Wars at some point also, but the the um my friend has started filming with the the camera so that we could start doing video tutorials as well to you know for the because of the internet speeds that we have now and mm. it's things that are much more but if you know like you say it i i also thought it was hard to take those step-by-step pictures because you'd kind of you know every time i'd start build like if, during my construction i'd have to like pause and and put my thing on the side and take a photo so thinking okay this is the next step and when you're trying to film it it's even more complicated because then my friend is trying to follow me and then it's all out of focus <laughs> and then you have to start over and it's like it's it becomes even more complicated but uh, yeah. but for me i don't know i guess for you know we just opened a forum also a couple of months ago maybe two months or three months and uh the 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 quality of the work that people are starting to put is really impressive and i it's it's fun for me to see that other people like yourself like you were mentioning the the are actually into taking their own making of pictures because for me that's what i love seeing how you came from the beginning of your project and then like how it ended up and you actually took the time to take you know the behind the scenes me i'm all about behind the scenes it's like sometimes like in on Blu-rays or, or DVDs, even before that, I used to sometimes buy a movie just to watch the, the making of, and yeah, yeah, even, yeah. and the movie, I wouldn't even watch it cause it either, you know, wasn't that good or whatever, but I just wanted to see how it was made, you know? So how did you go from just being someone who, who did this as a, a bit of a hobby to, you know, going all the way to something like the, the Star Wars celebration workshops? That, well, I guess, I guess I have, uh, I have Philip Wise to thank from Rebel Scum uh, for that. At the time uh, um, when I started, when I did the Yum Yum's Universe, um, he uh, contacted me after a year or so and asked me if he, 
wanted me or if he wanted to host me to be hosted on his server or something like this. And so then he already had the contacts from, I think, the first celebration. And uh, when Celebration 2 came along, I don't, I don't remember if it was me or him who threw the idea of like, wouldn't it be fun to sort of like do dioramas maybe like in uh, part of the convention. And because he already had the contacts, he was doing official picks, I think at the time. And he, um, he had the contacts with Mary at Lucasfilm and he threw the idea to her. And I think that because it was sort of like a family thing where we would actually build arts and craft and that they would supply the money to do the materials. And we would be one of the few, even to this day, we're one of the few events at the shows that is free and that you the parents mm-hmm. you don't have to pay to to participate. And so we were like in a small little room. It was basically a, a test really. And uh I felt flattered because you know I'm a fan first. And so like yep, yep. on the fan side it was like wow I'm getting asked to do this. That's kind of cool. And then on the other side when you start realizing just the amount of work that it takes to organize these things, <laughs> you kind of go like, oh, what did, you know, what did I throw myself into? But, um, yeah, so we were in a little room in the first at Celebration 2, and we did Tatooine, I think was what I su- uh, uh, suggested because it was with plaster and bandages and Tatooine, you know. The the less experience you have in building, and the I don't want to say the uglier it looks, but the you know the it looks more like the movie set because it's all run down and everything, so you don't <laughs> have to do like perfection, you know. Yeah. And so um, so we we were building that in just two days, and uh, we we actually were doing Moss Eisley as opposed to the whole Tatooine, but th- that was the basic idea and the funny thing is that the the room that we were in like no one even knew where we were it wasn't really <laughs> well advertised or anything and some people like we mostly got a lot of like model people and it was there was even at the time i think like in 2000 or 2002 that was the first one there wasn't really many diorama sites or even like uh, photos and stuff because i used to do searches for references for myself and I, I i i couldn't find much now you see a lot more which is very cool but so so we did that and uh it was a big success and then they asked us to come back for the celebration three and then we did the the Death Star one for that one. And what was cool was that um, we saw a lot of people that had come to the second one who came back to um, the third to build. And then obviously the people who who saw the result, the end result from the, the Moss Eisley said, oh, if there's another one, then we want to come build for that. So it kind of like doubled the amount of participants for the convention after that. And then it sort of like took off you know they they would we would get more and more people coming to want to build so they started giving us more and more space floor space and different things so and we're we're really lucky that even you know and then hasbro started donating some of the figures uh to give away to the kids as well and we would do like right. figure funds where where you know the 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 customizing community is like really cool where they would like you know if you have five Lukes at your house and you only, you know, you could give one away to someone. And because all of the toys, if the, I don't know if the people are, or if, if you know about the concept of the, what we do at the celebrations, but we basically give, you know, we, we select a theme being Endor or Hoth or whatever. And then we sort of like design the, you know, maybe five to 10 different elements 
within the the scene that you could build and then the parents and the kids come and you say i want to build number one or number three or number two and then and then all of the material is paid for by lucasfilm and and reed or the people who organize the the show so you have nothing to pay for and then when you finish building then you incorporate it into the diorama and then on the last day on the sunday which is the final display day then you have like picture up opportunity with all the figures placed and everything and then it's at two o'clock or something before the end of the day it's tear down time and then everything you built you get to take home with you as a souvenir of the convention wow and then all the toys that were donated you bring that back so we don't keep anything at all of all the stuff that was given to us or donated and things and even the materials that are left over and stuff like that that's the only thing that i find is kind of like I wouldn't say annoying, but, you know, every convention, like, we have to rebuy the simple stuff like hot glue guns and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, fo- and foam core or, like, scissors or, or exacto knives or, you know, because we we don't take that with us. And because there's a two-year or three-year gap sometimes between the conventions and you don't really have a place to – I don't oh, think Lucasfilm wants to store things with them and different things like that. But, you know, so it's cool to see – you know, the kids, when they realize that they can bring the things back with them. So it goes back to what you were saying before with the instructions on my site also at at the point where, you know, if you built, if you have like six, seven different things you could build at the convention, if you chose one, then you can kind of like continue the adventure at home where you could, you know, all the instructions and all of the techniques and material lists and everything that are available for you know, from the, our con- since I organized the convention, it's easy for me to put that information on on the site, and so you're able to sort of like expand, you know, the building that you brought home, and sort of like, you know, obviously at home we don't have the same scale or space that you do at a convention center, yeah. but the 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 feel and the look you know, of the, or the essence of the, of the scene remains the same because you're using the same kind of techniques and, and different things like that, you know, yeah. so. That, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, to be, you know, a young person, um, uh, I imagine people sort of, you know, around 10, 12, uh, getting the opportunity to be a part of that, that, that'd be an absolute thrill, I think. I, if, you know, if I was that age and I went to a convention, I thought, you know, that we have like a lot of people, the thing that they love also that's fun is that we're sort of like we become sort of like the communal community thing where, you know, compared to people sort of like now that a lot of people have told us that they come to the convention because they see that we're doing another workshop, which is flattering on the fan side, you know, and the thing is that they can come and build for two hours and then they'll say like, oh, Carrie Fisher's doing a, a presentation. So then they'll put their thing aside and then they'll go do their convention thing. And then after she finishes her Q&A, then they'll come back and they'll keep building. So, you know, it's a, it's a place where there's like lots of coming and going and you make a lot of friends. It's It sounds you know, people who have never been to conventions, you know, they think it's just full of nerds and geeks and things and, like, who wants to go to a convention kind of thing. <laughs> but it's actually amazing how, like, you sort of, like, do you do make, you know, a group of friends. And it's almost like, you know, when you were a kid and the, the sort of, like, a school would end and you'd hang out with your friends during the summer kind of thing. So, yeah, some, yeah. you know, it's like you re-see friends that you only see 
maybe once every, you know, every two years, but it feels like it's only been a weekend since you've seen each other and different things like that. So it's, you know, for, if I was 12 years old and I was like, uh, had the chance to work in a, in a workshop like that, it would be really cool. You know, it's like one of the, one of the few actors, Anthony Daniels, who plays C-3PO is one of the few actors who every time we do the, the, the workshops, he always comes to visit. And he, for him, he says that it's one of the, his favorite things of the convention because it uses the kids imaginations, yeah, you know, yeah. and as opposed to 90% of the rest of the convention, which is, you know, a lot of dealer stuff that, that is basically that you could find when you go to Toys R Us or different things, you know? So yeah. he like, he thinks that it's really cool that we're able to, to sort of like motivate kids and, 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 you know, spark them into arts and craft. And, you know, a lot of the parents thank me also because, and not just me specifically, but, you know, they'll say like, you know, we're such in a sort of like a, a video game or sort of like a one-on-one generation kind of thing that the kids now they go to see the parents because most of the kids have the toys anyway. So they'll, mm-hmm. they'll say like, oh, mom, can you help me build this? Or, you know, so, <laughs> so they spent like a rainy Sunday, you know, doing like a, 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 a play set together that they can actually put their toys in after, you know, so the parents are glad to have that interaction with the kids. Yeah, also yeah. on on that level so that's yeah, interactive on, on, uh, uh, yeah i remember doing puzzles and paint by numbers and stuff with my mom when i was a kid you know so it's kind of i guess that's where i got sort of like my start of you know liking to work with my hands and and getting creative and, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. John, do you John, have a question? Yeah, you've, yeah, you've hinted at uh, non-star star wars dios what do you got planned you got- well, there's so many, obviously, because I'm not, uh, I, I'm not really a customizer because I'm not really good at it. <laughs> it's really hard to customize figures. And then also it's like I kind of like – I don't know if you guys f- feel like that also. It's like uh, you know, when – if I have um, – my brain kind of works in a strange way. Like if I have like 10 figures that I bought and then I customize one, I kind of feel that that one customized figure doesn't really belong because it's not a true purchase kind of thing and even though like you know if i wait for hasbro for another company to make make it it could take years and years or whatever and that's why i try to stick to scenes that already have the figures made or specific things like that but there's so many cool things out there and you know i i don't know it's like i have the same problem that most of the people who write to me about they you know one is that we were talking about before the size of convention to compared to home so one is the size you know oh i don't have the room to put displays in at home and different things like that but the second is the time you know it's hard to find time to sort of like already when you're like busy in the real world working and different things and you you know and when you there's so many cool things that you want to build you wish you could clone yourself and just do like uh, you know <laughs> different things but i always i don't know i'd like to tackle uh, sort of like uh indiana jones or raiders of the lost ark sort of like diorama that would be fun um, Please do. I've been waiting I'm on just, that. <laughs> and then there's, you know, I, I've had like Star Trek figures for a long time now when Playmates used to do them. I used to collect those too. So maybe like a bridge or something, or I'd love to do an alien. There's a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sith Fire, who's, uh, does just like amazing, uh, things on, he has a, uh, he's on Facebook and, um, 
they he he sculpts he's like he should work at NECA if he I know he doesn't but it's like uh, he's like a fan like us but he his work is just like beyond belief and he he's like so motivating me giving me the itch to do an alien diorama but it's like obviously you have to have the the figures that are, exist before you can actually like pick a scene or or different yeah. things like that yeah. you know but. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, just like going back to Raiders, because it was sort of like a jungle environment kind of thing. And it goes back to like things like, you know, that people have been doing like in the World War Two or the jungle kind of things or train sets, you know, with the mountains. And because I guess that's what really started the, you know, dioramas is nothing really new in terms of, you know, maybe it's because Star Wars didn't exist before in, in Star Wars dioramas. And that's what I started with. But it's like... Uh, There's like a, a lot of cool stuff that are made there from like miniature trains and, and things like that, you know, and then with, you know, with tank models and different things, you know, so. Yeah, yeah what, what, I don't know, what would your suggestions be? Like, what do you think would make, uh, what toys are out there that exist that would be uh, really well displayed in, in, a, in a set piece? Well, I think for me, um, I, I do like the idea of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, particularly the the jungle scenes. One of the the things I've always avoided in my wargaming um, scenery building is is anything that um, includes a lot of vegetation, because I think it's it's one of the hardest things to pull off effectively. It, especially the scale, it is, you know, because mm. if you go get plastic plants at Walmart or different things, you end up with a leaf that would be like 50 feet wide or something. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then you look kind of, you, you look odd when you're um, walking up and down the aisles in the uh, the pet store at the aquarium <laughs> plants. <laughs> but that's the cool thing, don't you find? It's like when, I don't know, I don't know if it's like this for you guys, but it's like when you start building dioramas, you start developing sort of i wouldn't say a skill but it's like you start looking at regular objects in a different <laughs> scale and then like you know someone would see i don't want to say frying pan because that's a really bad example but you know you'd see an object that people would see to use for cooking or different things and then you'd see it and you'd say like oh that would make a great floor grid you know or or uh. different things you know you sort of like try to you see everything like scaled down and you sort of have a new vision that you sort of like when you go you, shopping and different things, you know, you've just red, described, red you've just yes. described a, a perfect scene in, in my house, Frank. And, uh, and that'll be, I'll, I'll finish with a, a margarine container and I'll, I'll sort of put it to the side on the kitchen bench. And my wife will say, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. And she's like, are you keeping that? And it's like, I might be. And she's like, it's an empty it's margarine container. It's like, no, it's not. You see it as a margarine container. I see it as a power stuff. Exactly, exactly. You know, but it's you have to use the imagination. Sometimes you 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 see it instantly, you know. But some other people they have to wait to see that it's done before. You know, it's like one one of the cool things we did when uh, at this past convention we built um, uh, moisture evaporators for Tatooine, and and I I tried to think up of okay, what do we have that's easy that people could find, you know? And it was basically like shish kebab sticks and uh, sewing spools, you know? Mm, and oh, when yeah. you and when you look at the... When you go into a store and you say, I want to buy 50 sewing spools, they're going like, why are you... <laughs> what are you going to sew? You know, you go, oh, no, I'm throwing the thread away. I don't need the thread. I just want the plastic. And then once it's painted and it's put into the thing, they all go like, oh, that's so smart, you know? So it is... A, it, it, you know, sometimes the people j just don't... I think it's because we're sort of like unique in the world, you know, like uh, the other people just don't get it. You know, they, <laughs> they, they have to see the finished product before 
seeing the vision of the the object before it's used kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, any any last questions for Frank? I I probably go on for a couple hours, but... It's actually, you know, it's... It's it's great to talk with people, you know, and try to sort of like uh, that are we're all on the same page and and you know it's it's sort of, it's obviously not like torture or anything to to talk. Yeah. That's you know I remember that in the early times of like uh, of the internet when it, there was just the Ferg, I think was the only customized sort of like place that you could actually chat with people at the you know back in the late nineties or early two thousands, and it was you know it's actually fun to throw away you know different techniques and stuff you know it's like at the forum you know it's like when i have like people actually asking questions and trying to get you know um exchange techniques it's just too bad that it's uh, in text form you'd wish that you'd be able to like just talk like we are kind of thing and you know and it you know and but i guess that's the magic of the internet like you'd think that okay if we were all in the same city but we're all in different parts of the world which is kind of neat also that you're able to you know sometimes i get messages from I get emails of people showing me photos of their dioramas from like uh, Zimbabwe or from like little places that you wouldn't even know that they had internet or that uh, that they would actually make dioramas. And it's kind of cool that, you know, that you go like, wow, the, the world is sort of like connected to a different, you know, <laughs> on a different level than it was before, you know. But. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, we certainly can't sign off without um, pimping your website again. And that's www.dioramaworkshop.com. Yes. And, uh, th- thank you so much for joining us. Well, I thank you. It was a pleasure. And uh, even though it was early for me to wake up like this on a Saturday, it was like uh, I have no regrets about it. And, you know, anytime you want to chat, just ring me up. Absolutely. absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that wraps up our discussion topic, and uh, we'll come back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap the show up. Spider-Man's getting ready to rumble. Oh no, it's Doc Ock, Venom, and the Green Goblin. Fantastic action coming up. Take that, Green Goblin. Bam! Must get out of Venom's trap. Quack! Time to get out of here. Catch you later, Doc Ock. Brand new Spider-Man action figures, out now. Well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. And if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out. So we've got a piece of feedback that I'm going to read out, and that's from uh, Patrick Yukers, I think it is. And uh, he said, guys, great show as always. Joe was a fantastic guest to listen to. What an intelligent, well-spoken, and immensely creative person. And that was in reference to uh, last week. That's uh, episode 82's interview with Joe Menner, the sculptor. Uh, and he was indeed a fantastic guy, really entertaining guy to listen to. I, I have to say that he is incredibly humble too. Indeed, um, indeed. Uh, and what, what just a, a really cool, cool fan as well as a, yeah. you know, a, a fantastic sculptor. Absolutely, and I mean, he didn't even mention it, but uh, I noticed on uh, Facebook someone had actually commented on something that he posted in Russian, and he was actually responding in Russian, so uh, he, he didn't oh, wow. mention that he uh, speaks Russian, so I think that was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, right. you guys did a great job, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So. All right, guys, that's it. We've come to an end. Huzzah! Huzzah! Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the show, and we shouldn't have left it so long. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me again. Not a problem at all. Not a problem. 
Alright guys, well it's uh, a new day for you guys and it's bedtime for me, so um, we're going to say goodnight. Sleep well, Ben. <laughs> Alrighty, <laughs> bye. 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 Play with your toys, not with yourself. Have your so long, farewell. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. Three. Well, while Scotty's away, the inmates are at play. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 83, for the week of Wednesday, 18th of September, 2013. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Oh yeah, I do this part, don't I? Fuck you, now. I'm not used to going first. <laughs> a long night. That was perfect, too. Well, it could still be perfect. All right. Here we go. I'll just count myself in. Yes, I am. And we're going to hear that sound right here. Now, see, I'm going to get blamed for that. And one more time. Sorry, that didn't work out quite as well as I was hoping.